0: And welcome back to the world of dungeons and diapers. Uh, it's a podcast where you know two gentlemen, parents of Canadian uh, background, get together and discuss what they're doing to keep their lives balanced, what they're what they're having fun with, but also you know what they're doing with their kids and their families and how they're keeping themselves sane in an increasingly crazy world. And I'm one of them. My name is Crofton Sears, and the other one, of course, is Ryan Murphy. Welcome, Ryan.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, sorry we missed last week; had to bump the schedule, uh, but we're back on track, so
0: we're all good. Back on track. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I'm sure people people were crying. You know, they were they were probably <laughs> very upset. I, I I'm impressed they were able to make it this this long, but I am happy. So, um, Ryan, just a little note before the show, before we go into the regular scheduled programming of the show. Every once in a while, there's something that happens in the outside world that we we like to address or make note of, uh, especially that we release in such a timely fashion. It's nice we can participate in the, the, the conversation that's going on. And so it's Canada Day, uh, or it was yesterday, uh, and... Um, and one of the for those listeners outside of Canada that's july 1st here and um there's there's this conversation going on in Canada right now and it's about it's not so much to do with canada day or canada day is somewhat related it has to do with canada's indigenous peoples uh sorry i shouldn't say that the indigenous peoples of canada saying canada's indigenous peoples make it sound like the indigenous peoples are property of canada which is absolutely the furthest thing from what I would want to do. So the Indigenous peoples of Canada and essentially, um, the, you know, without going into too, too much detail, um, there was the, uh, the government of Canada and the uh, the Catholic Church put together a, a school system to take essentially um, what, what they described as the Indian out of the child. And uh, they took Children away from their homes, uh, and over uh, uh over a hundred years, uh, sent them to these residential schools, and across the country. And uh, it was known for for a long time that all sorts of tragedies happened happened here, but it, it was easy for the Canadian public to kind of de- deny deny a lot of these tragedies. The last residential school closed in 1996, so this is not like. This is not e- eons ago. This is recent history of, of the country. And anyway, um, for those who aren't aware, uh, there was a discovery in Kamloops, BC, of essentially mass mass graves, children's graves, um, and uh, a- and it's it's led to people having greater awareness of the wrongs that were essentially perpetrated. Against the indigenous peoples in this in this country, and since the discovery of those those um, those graves, they've been looking at other residential school sites, and of course have been finding a lot more. Um, and so that's led to a larger conversation of what do we do this Canada today? Everybody feels. You know, a lot of people who had never really dealt with this before are starting to learn more about the residential school system, about Canada's involvement in it, the, the people, um, including our first prime minister who were who are involved in it. And uh, it honestly, it's it's it the residential school system is extremely horrible. And I, I was uh, I work for the department in this this country uh, responsible for Indigenous affairs, and it has a lot wrong with it as well uh but it made me aware of of what had gone on in these residential schools and it's always something that i found extremely difficult to much less talk about or process uh but canadians in general have done a really good job of just completely ignoring it and what i'm what if there is a silver lining from these recent discoveries it's it's led to people who in the past would not have been able to deal with this stuff having to deal with it having to process it and having to reflect on it so i just want to mention a couple of tools for those of you out there who are looking to learn more um the university of alberta is offering a a course it's a free online sort of course about the indigenous history uh, of canada it is a really great i have started it and uh, i i'm looking forward to, to learning more from that course um it is a tie in to dungeons and diapers. Brian had mentioned Shits Creek before it's being recommended by Dan Levy of Shits Creek. He's dr- drawn some attention to it. Um, and the other the other thing is the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There's a commission, we always have these, these commissions that, that provide uh evidence and recommendations. Uh, and then you know, governments in the past have done Precious little with some of these, and so. Uh, but we're hoping that the the, the added um, attention given to to the to the issue now will prompt uh, the latest one, which is called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report, which had 94 or 95 recommendations. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's 94, I think. Um, a, a revisiting of these recommendations and saying, like, come on, governments, let's see if we can make these things. Um, happen. So those are available online. They're really short and quick to read. And I reading the Truth and Reconciliation Report, I think is also like if you're looking to sort of figure out what could be done, what are next steps, um, that's another great place to start. So I just, you know, it's a somber Canada Day for us here this year. And I wanted to take a moment to sort of talk about that a little bit. Ryan, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to it. Thank you for giving me the, t- the, the time to to, to talk about it. It is, it is important for me. And I know listening to podcasts, generally escapism, you want to have some fun. So sometimes these, these conversations or, 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 or things are tough to, to discuss, but I did want to take the time, um, and uh, and welcome, you know, welcome listeners, thoughts and feedback and and if they have any sort of good resources where, where uh, folks can go to learn more uh, about, um, you know, indigenous people's history in Canada or actions they can take, please, please share. We would love to love to hear it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's really important that we talk about this for sure. And I think you shared a lot of great information and resources I've been talking to a lot of folks who are learning about this for the very first time and they've lived in this country their entire lives. Like Crofton said, this stuff has been, uh, ignored and, and kind of left to history. And I mean, it was not taught when I was in school, I went to a Catholic school, so it shouldn't really surprise anyone that, uh, it was not taught there. However, I've noticed, um, you know, having watched Caden go through school, um, he uh, it, it was part of his curriculum in, in JK where they were talking about it obviously not going into uh, the horrible details of what had happened but at least introducing it uh, introducing the residential schools and and, uh, and and what happened there and why they were created by the government and why they were so wrong uh, is part of that curriculum and, and again Caden is going to a Catholic school so it's good, there's that change there from an education level if you are looking to learn more, as Crofton said, there's some resources he listed. Uh, I listened, and I mean, if you're looking to stick along the lines of podcasts, uh, there was a podcast recommended to me um, that I thought was really good. It's it's short and it's a good introduction to what it, what had it happened at these uh, residential schools. And the podcast is titled "Residential Schools." It's a three part series by Historica Canada. Um, and it goes over the experiences of First Nations, Minty, and uh, Inuit. So it gives you a good overview, and um, also gives more resources for you to learn more. So uh, that's a that's another resource you can do.
0: And it's uh, Gwen also is getting like sort of taught in, in school, and like she's part of this alternative school program, and. Did already started on some indigenous history, but this is just like prompted re reaffirm the importance of it. And uh, it's, it's really cool to see. And I, you, like, I I've been absolutely not incensed, but like frustrated at the fact that people didn't know about a lot of this before, especially the deaths at the residential schools, like indigenous people have been saying for years, their family members have not come back. Like, and there's hundreds and hundreds of children who died at these schools and And it is it is frustrating, but the same point is like now it's it's out in the open. It's received international attention. We can't nobody now can say that they don't know, and that is that is a benefit for moving forward and in in informing the next generation, like Gwen and Caden. I think that that is so great as well. So I mean, there it's horrible, but there's there's a silver lining in it. sort of sort of a way a way forward i i'm i'm hopeful for and this canada day you and i were talking a little bit before the show it was yesterday and it was you know it was it was a little bit, it was somber and more reflective, but, but the fact that we're able to have these conversations as a country, I think is something to be commended as well. Um, because, uh, you know, it's not any, it, not every country that would be able to have this level of nuanced conversation about something that is so difficult and affected so many folks. So, I mean, I, I always do this. I always skew to the positives. It, obviously it's a horrific Um, uh, you know, discovery that recent discoveries that happened and will likely continue to happen as they continue to investigate these sites. Um, But Ryan, uh, with that said, uh, I am I again appreciative appreciative to both you and the listeners for for us being able to do that. With with that said, let us let us move into the core of this show, and we'll start. Let's let's go right into you know the more fun side of it. So for the long time listeners, dungeons diapers. The dungeons is sort of like the stuff that we're doing to keep us keep us sane, to keep us busy. The geeky stuff that we love. We'll start. We'll start right down there. And uh, Ryan, why don't you go first? Because I do feel like you have something to talk about that is that is new and hot and relevant. And uh, before I jump into obscurity,
1: <laughs> well, uh,
0: how do you feel about the PlayStation Five? I feel like I'll never own one at this rate. But keep going. <laughs>
1: You know, um, it's funny you mentioned that. I was talking to somebody. Uh, I, I actually sold the old Xbox, and they said, oh, what? you know, you getting out of gaming. I'm like, ha-ha. No. <laughs> 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 my wife is in the background. Is like,
0: please. Uh,
1: no, that's not true. My, my wife, Ashley, very supportive of my gaming <laughs> habit. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, mm, yes.
1: uh it was it, anyway. I just, I had said, like, no, I'd, I'd gotten a PlayStation 5. Honestly, I think from, from you're just
0: PlayStation... talking, when you see the Xbox, you mean the Xbox One, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I sold, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, the old generation of Xbox and PlayStation has left the building.
0: Just um, to be clear, listeners, he still has an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation 5 yes. and a computer that's better than mine. I mean, the computer is
1: fairly old, so, uh, sure anyways uh yeah no i got rid of the xbox and i and i just we were talking about the playstation 5 and when it comes right down to it i think the playstation 5 will be on store shelves next year so i mean people are saying oh i'll never be able to buy one it's like i mean if if you want one now you can probably you'd have to do the work and unfortunately that work sucks so uh i don't blame you if you want to wait but if you want to wait until 2022 i think you'll be able to pick one up on store shelves uh probably I would say, um, but no, I, I'm playing uh, what is the second exclusive game on the PlayStation 5 from uh, Sony as a first party title, and that's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And um, I managed to finish it. I beat it. It's a short game, so right off the bat, it's a it's a perfect candidate for you know gamers like you and I who have this very limited amount of time, but enjoy that like. We enjoy great games, and sometimes great games can be long in the tooth, but in this case, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, it is it is, a, it is a decent chunk of content. It's about 10 to 15 hours, and, and there is reason to go back and play more of it, but you get a complete story in 10 to 15 hours, and you're like, man, that was so much fun. I had such a great time, and yeah, it is so much fun, and I mean... I know, like, the, argu- the the conversation when you're having this with someone who doesn't have a PlayStation 5 is immediately, is it worth buying a PlayStation 5 for Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart? And I'd say to that question, probably it's the first part of, of that investment is to have one game. I mean, at the start, like, yes, you're buying a $700 piece of hardware for one or two games, but we're talking, like, across a generation. I really think Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is going to stand up to a lot of those first-party Sony titles. So, and I'm a huge fan of Ratchet & Clank. So, like, take that with a grain of salt. Like, if you've never played a Ratchet & Clank game or you happen to dabble with the PS4 one that came out um, for free not too long ago, you might be thinking, like, I don't know if this Ratchet & Clank business is worth the upgrade, but I don't know. It's just a, a... It's a positive experience. It's entertaining. There's, like... There's not a lot of whole negativity to it. It's basically like a, a you're you're playing through a cartoon. And that to me is just relaxing and
0: fun and just I had so much fun with this game. It's funny because um like I own that Ratchet and Clank game. Uh, I've never played a Ratchet and Clank game to be fair. Like I I never played any of the ones on the PS2. I never played um you know, I the PS3 ones or or I and the one on the PS4, the um the remake that went with the movie. I own that one and I bought it. Like I paid money, I paid ten dollars Canadian Whoa. for it. I know, and it's still in the shrink wrap. And I feel like if I really want to watch a clan game, I could just unshrink wrap it because it got really good reviews. The game at least did, and it it's supposedly like the first game. I know the game you're playing on PS5 is better, but for me it's it's like uh, it looks good, it looks fine. But it looks like not it 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 would be one of those games that when you look back at the history of the PS5 and all the other games come out people be will we'll think about it likely much in the same way they think of the PS4 Ratchet and Clank you know like oh yeah that that's a pretty good game came out early on was fun you know and then there were other games um it's not yeah. it, it definitely is not calling to me in the same way Returnal is like which is the only game on PS5 that is like oh that that might be really good you know, like that, that, that one calls out to me it, on the other hand, on the graphical level, it looks like, obviously the, the graphics nut in me wants would like to see what that looks like. The, the Ratchet and Clank game on my, on my TV and all of that. And I have the Xbox series X and I have yet to play a game on it. That is like, looks any better than anything on PS4, you know? Um, And uh, because the game pass is all, like, essentially Xbox One games, right, for the most part. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, there's very few Xbox Series X exclusive games that are made to look, you know, like the way that Ratchet is made to look for PS5.
1: Yeah, like, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is a is a game, I I don't really want to use this word, but it's uncompromised by a version, a required version to run on the PS4. And I mean, that's not necessarily saying like, oh, look at Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Like I think I played both, I played all of it on PS4 Pro and played chunks of it on the PS5. And there are definite improvements on the PS5. I think on par with what they've got with Ratchet & Clank. I think the biggest difference with Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is yes, it's a graphical powerhouse. It looks like you're playing a Pixar film and it's getting very close to what feels like live rendering of a, of a Pixar film you know um I've said this about every Ratchet and Clank game that came out you know with the PS3 and the PS4 like they're just very Insomniac Games is is very good at sort of producing this stylized cartoonish look that just they don't go overboard and they don't they they push it to the boundaries but like because it's not like a a realistic look like you can look back at it fondly and i think that's where that ps4 game that you mentioned really works like it, it it stands up from a from a look and feel standpoint and i think when you look at rift apart i think maybe once the end of the ps5 comes around it's not gonna be it's not gonna be top 10 but like it could be i i really enjoyed it it's again the only knock i have against it is that it is quite short but it doesn't overstay its welcome. It tells a story that uh, that is interesting and fun, but doesn't like throw in wild you know wild uh, curves so that we can add another five hours on. You know, like I think yeah, of,
0: I, I'm starting to appreciate that a lot more.
1: Exactly, and I think from a perspective of, of a parent and having limited time, like it's really nice to be able to play a game that doesn't that doesn't take your time and be like no. You can't see the end of the story until at least three weeks after release. And I think with Ratchet and Clank, like this is the other great part about the game. There is optional content that you can do within the world, but it's optional content on par with the main content. Like it's all just there for you to do. It's not like go kill five chickens. You know, it's 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 a quest that has dialogue and acting and characters and and, um, you know, sometimes boss fights. Right. So it's all the content is top-notch. It's just, I know for some folks who are looking at, this is a $90 game, Canadian, so that's another thing to mention here. A lot of people are looking at that price tag and being like, 90 bucks for 10 to 15 hours. Of course, that is worth the price of admission. But when you start to compare it to other games and you don't necessarily think as time as a valuable you know commodity, it, it, you can kind of look at it and be like, oh, 15 hours for 90 bucks, that's a lot of money. You know When I can buy Assassin's oh, Creed yeah. Valhalla for half price and never stop playing. So, but for me and you, I don't think that matter, that that is not part of the equation anymore, you know? Like we don't want to buy a $90 game in the last 2 hours like we're not sitting here saying that's a good idea, but I think like from the perspective of a complete story, a complete experience, it ran really well. Like that makes sense to me. Like 90 but, bucks sure. But
0: you know what, you know what is on my radar as important? And this is why Ratchet and Clank is still in shrink wrap. Uh, PS4 is when I got that game. It was because I was thinking to myself, "Man, I've I pretty much exhausted the Nintendo catalog, and I need a, or I want a game to play with my daughter." And uh, and then, what is the Sony platforming equivalent to? A mario game or something along those lines and it's a game where you shoot the shit out of everything with multiple guns and I, you know like it's just it's just one of those things where yes i get that a lot of the guns are cartoony and that sort of thing but soon as you introduce guns as it as it stands in video games like you're opening the the pandora's box to so much right and like i played a lot of games with gwen now like and she's six we've not and she's gonna turn seven soon but we have never really played a game with guns, um, and and guns is something I've been kind of holding back on her. Which means, like, okay, so when is Ratchet and Clank? It's a Disney movie. It's a Pixar movie. When when is it appropriate for my child? And the answer seemingly is like, well, it's more of an eight to ten year old game, like, or a, 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 in which case, like, that's great for people who have eight to ten year olds, but I don't. So either I'm playing it for me or i or i'm exposing my daughter to just constant shooting uh which is which is the 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 caveat i have against ratchet and clank which is again i have not played the game so you know uh, the shooting may be so uh inconsequential that it's not even worth the, the the time i've given it but i just think like i open the door up to to any to guns and then it's like it's like there's there's just guns in everything, right? So
1: Yeah, I I had this conversation uh, a couple times with uh, a listener of the show Whirlwind who um has a, a topic he suggested for later on in the show. Um I agree with you. Like guns is a tough topic. Like we're not sitting here talking about GTA and Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. Like that's there are levels to violence, right? There are levels to um even even guns and i think like i i don't know like is ratchet and clank good for kids like i think everything about it outside of the the gunplay and the violence like yeah probably perfectly suitable you know there's a lot of like just you know safe humor in there and and there's no swearing there's you know there's conflict don't get me wrong but it's pretty safe conflict like no one's going in and being like oh i'm gonna I'm going to kill you with this gun. Like it's not that level, but there is still shooting. There's still laser beams. And I'd probably put it on par with like, a, like maybe sort of like star Wars in how star Wars is like, yes, there are guns. Yes. There are light swords. Um, but for like 90% of those films, like there's really not a whole lot of like violence going on. Like there are sword fights and stuff, but like there's only like a small portion of the film where, (laughs) Where people are, you know, losing hands and torsos and stuff. So, um. Getting choked. force forced choked. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There is that. But, so maybe it's not as bad as Star Wars. But, like, I know people who show Star Wars to their kids at, like, what age? Like. Of
0: course. But in Star Wars, it's like, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I've got, like, tons of Star Wars t-shirts. My daughter has never seen anything to do with Star Wars. And like we're having the conversations now it's like when when do we start with the star wars and maybe it's because like obviously not to go down a rabbit hole here but like for me star wars i have this perfect vision of it in my mind where it's like (laughs) she'll watch episode four and then she'll watch the empire strikes back and then she will watch return of the jedi and then she'll never watch another star wars movie no i'm just kidding um but uh but like i have a a picture perfect version in my mind when in fact the real way that kids approach Star Wars now is they get, they watch Lego Star Wars or they play, they watch some cartoon. And when I was a kid, my first experience with Star Wars was like the droids cartoon in the eighties. And so it was like, you know, it wasn't like I got the, the, and then like some Ewok made for TV movies, you know, that were more geared to children. So there's lots of ways that you can approach uh, some of that, some of that content, but like I'm not ready to throw her into the deep end of the the, the original trilogy yet. Although we're we're getting close, um. But Ratchet and Ratchet, in no way do I think it's like you know Doom, like limbs are blowing off and no. whatever. I. But it's it's a kid's game. I get it. It's just like for me, it it it's there's a difference between Luigi's Mansion and Ratchet and Clank. Is all oh, I'm saying. Course. You know, it, and that's that's the the gulf that I'm trying to. traverse if i had a ps5 right now and i would probably buy ratchet clank because it's the hot new thing and it looks amazing but i would buy it for me at this stage and not my kids based on their age right
1: yeah of course and and here's the thing like i didn't play with my kids i showed that i showed the the game to to caden and abigail and like caden liked it abigail wasn't very interested um but that being said like if you have older kids and you're comfortable with them playing ratchet like i don't personally have the answers to it i don't I don't think my kids are ready for ratchet and clank. Like we played around with the opening levels, which have very, very little of any gunplay or, or whatever. It's just more of like the opening spectacle and the setup. Um, but I will say this, that if you do have younger kids, like in the 10 or eight to 10 time frame, like for me, I, I don't really have context for what type of entertainment kids should be watching and engaging with unless like they're my kid's age. Like I don't, really have that forward thinking like we have the older we have the oldest kids within our immediate family so we're kind of like i guess pioneering this <laughs> you know the current state of entertainment for these for these kids like we're still in the paw patrol phase um and they're super stoked for uh the movie that's coming out in august i don't know if you saw that trailer but it's uh interesting um but oh, uh, I,
0: haven't, I haven't seen the trailer I'll, I'll watch it after
1: you should watch it um I mean, not to go on a tangent, but, like, it's it's one of those times where The Simpsons kind of did it. SpongeBob definitely did it. It's one of those times where they are doing a movie of, like, an established TV show or whatever. But because it's big budget, they, like, completely change it. So it's still 3D animated, but they've completely made it into what you would imagine is, like, a DreamWorks or a um, a Minions-type movie where they've like ditched the simple animation and they've gone for more of a realistic cartoony look and it's all the same voices and stuff, but it's like kind of jarring after watching so much Paw patrol and then seeing this, like,
0: yeah, oh, yeah Hollywood, uh, eyes. like tri- triple budget. Oh, that's, that's cool. At least it's not like live action. No, you know, that'd be J- Jason worse. Lee is captain <laughs> Turbot sort of shit. Oh, no, um, don't even put that out there.
1: Uh, but, but, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to say when it came to Ratchet and Clank, like, if you have younger kids that you, you are at an age that you want to play, that want to play this, um, and it's maybe their first, it, like we, we talked about, you talked about the comparison to Nintendo. There's some really great accessibility options in Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart that make uh, it easier to move around and, and control. And, uh, you know, it simplifies the camera and stuff and just basically turns it into a more suitable experience for less experienced players. And I really appreciate that as well, because, I could see my kids when they're ready being able to play this as like their first sort of action platformer game. Like obviously we're going to start with Mario and they can do that right now. But like once they get to an age where they want to check out the ratchet and clanks of the world, it's got those settings in there. Like it's, it's really cool where we're at with these games where they are implementing these accessibility options to make it easier for all players to access this content. So just another little uh, positive on the game. So, uh, yeah, really, I really enjoyed my time with it. I, I got to go back to it and catch a couple trophies, but for the most part, I enjoyed every minute of it.
0: So a game that i did not enjoy every minute of but we'll talk about uh, in a second is uh one that likely nobody has heard of because ryan himself (laughs) who hosts a a uh podcast uh devoted to video games had not heard of it it is called backbone and it is a uh, pc uh game and it's on game pass um and it's published by raw fury and i'm actually playing another game right now published by raw fury which is uh into the sea, which is another, um, sort of like, uh, adventure style game. I really like this game really like if there's a Croft and Venn diagram, uh, hits pretty hard right in the center, uh, in terms of appeal. Now I'll just explain very briefly what type of game it is, but before I do, I just want to give a caveat that up until this point, I've had this Xbox Series X. I keep downloading these games and I keep playing them and nothing is resonating. Like nothing is like I'm playing a bit. I play and I'm downloading games I've already played before. Like I download dead cells. I do a couple more runs. I download, you know, gears tactics. I do around, I, 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 I play a bit of control, but it's kind of nihilistic and I'm, Okay, you know, get sick of it, you know, so forth and so on. Nothing is, nothing is sticking. Um, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, so I'm, I'm on my computer and I go in Game Pass and I always forget that it's the console offering and the PC offerings. They're not the same, right? And then I, and then I see there's like the new edition and it's this game and it's essentially, it's an indie game, but it's, it's like it's an adventure game, like, um in the old sierra lucas art style where you're like walking a character around a screen you're talking to other characters making dialogue choices um you know picking up items solving puzzles so forth so on it's done in pixel art but it's not done in regular pixel art it's done in like this crazy unreal engine powered high def pixel art and um it like you can you can bump it up to sixty frames and do all sorts of bells and whistles to this thing, and as I've mentioned before on the show, I have a sweet monitor on my PC, and I, and this is the game that has looked the best on it uh, because it runs so well, and it does these giant landscape shots uh, of these areas that you explore, and it just looks so beautiful, um, and it's a uh, it's again like it's pixel art, but the type of game it is, is a noir detective thriller, like the kind where, you know, you got the private investigator and then you get the femme fatale and she's got a problem and then it escalates and there's a giant criminal conspiracy and all of that. I love that shit. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so I was like I was in it, you know, in it to win it. Um, so it's got, it's, you know, I love those Sierra Lucas Hertz games. It's just like that in terms of style. The visual art is, is sumptuous. It's also kind of got a fantasy sci-fi thing where it's set in a world like Zootopia, the movie Zootopia, where the animals are humans. And, but aside from that, it's like, You know, there's racism. Like you're a raccoon. Your private investigator's a raccoon, and raccoons are like worthless. People treat them like shit. The apes are kind of like in charge, and so there's this world that you're that gets it hooks. It hooks in you real fast, especially if you're like me. So I've bounced off all the Xbox Game Pass games. I'm just like not into them. And then this game comes along. I install it, and it immediately like the narrative grabs me. Like the graphics are beautiful. There's no voice acting, which is a little off-putting because there's a lot of talking to characters and choosing conversation, and it at least gives you the semblance that you're making a lot of choice. I, I'm not sure how much you actually are. I actually am very doubtful that it's much, but it at least feels that way, like you're making a lot of choice. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I'm I, like I'm really I'm I'm really into it and i uh, i um, honestly at this point i would just say like you know this is one of my favorite new games of this year like backbone so good i'm having great time hits the mystery is interesting uh you know like you're 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 chasing down leads you're meeting new characters you, you know you're going to new areas oh i forgot to mention it's set in vancouver canada um although it's like a vancouver again populated by animals and there's a wall around the city and what's behind the wall and like there's a lot of mysteries it's really 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 interesting through two and a half acts of the the game now at this point i'm wondering why nobody's talking about this game or like why it's not a bigger deal so i i i googled some reviews uh and i started reading some reviews and the reviews essentially like first off very few publications have reviewed this game it's an indie game most mostly even though it's on game pass um and, and the the publications that do pretty much all uniformly say the same thing which is that it falls apart in the end and i'm like i don't understand i'm like like, it could have a disappointing conclusion. I get it. But, like, I don't understand exactly how how it could fall apart in the end that in such a way that would really impact my overall enjoyment. Maybe it brings it down from, like, a, a 95 or 100 to, like, an 85. Like, I could see that. But, like, we're talking, like, reviews are, like, you know, 60, 70, 75. And I'm like – Okay, you know, maybe maybe there's something, but at least I'm prepared for it. So when it happens or when it falls off a clip or whatever, I will be ready and it won't bother me as much as it bothered other people who are playing it, like these professional reviewers. So I keep, you know, I keep playing and I finished it. It's not that long, like it's an adventure game. I finished it in like three nights. um or so and i like that like we talked about like bite size type game like again if there were more of these types of games i would be all in on them but holy shit does it fall off a cliff (laughs) and 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 when it does like i'm okay okay I, i i i see things are i i see things are bad here but but then it it just kind of like it just keeps going with it and then gets, it just gets very arty at the end. Like, but, but in a way that, that it feels like they ran out of money or they didn't know what they were doing or they wanted it to be open to interpretation, but they didn't like they committed to a style of game an investigative private dick raccoon guy for like two and a half acts. And then in the end, they just switch it and just make it something completely different uh and uh, uh ryan i'm not sure if you played the game inside uh um, i have yeah on, well inside i don't want to ruin it but at the very end of inside something happens um and it kind of changed like you're either on board with what happens at the end of inside or you're not but even if you're not on board with what happens at the end of inside it the game ends shortly thereafter Where there is something, I would say, equally, you know, like that, that happens at the end of this game, but then they, then it goes on for quite a bit afterwards, and it, it, it really doesn't stick the landing. So I am conflicted here with this thing because part of me wants everybody to play it. And I want everybody to be talking about it. The first thing I did when the game was over is I was like looking for Reddit threads and I'm like, we need I need to talk about this game. <laughs> I'm like, I need to let's discuss what just happened here. Um and uh but of course nobody's played the game. And, and the other thing is like I said I bounced off all these other games yet I just ate this game up until it fell apart in the end but then now that I know that it falls apart in the end I feel like really bad telling anybody to play it because it's like oh you're gonna play it you're gonna have a really good time and then it but and it's not like an arcade game where you're like having fun the whole time and then the ending is like whatever it's an adventure game that hangs its hat on its story it's in in particular, it's a mystery. So you're trying to solve a mystery. If it doesn't resolve itself in a satisfying manner, you're going to be annoyed as a player, you know, and that's, that's where I ended up. So I have a lot of emotions. I don't know where, where to go with them, but I totally, if you want something new, uh, and something that's going to grab you right away, something that, that is really beautiful uh, to look at that has me will make you think, and you will enjoy. And then, then you want to email me about it afterwards and we can discuss the ending. Um, Then, then, uh, you know, knock yourself out backbone. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's quite a kick in the pants anyway. So is it,
1: so just so I understand, is it from a narrative perspective that it falls apart at the end or is it, or is it a gameplay experience?
0: I would say, Mostly narrative, right? But the problem with those types of games is if they fall apart, like adventure games, if they fall apart from a narrative perspective, they're also kind of falling apart from a gameplay perspective. Because, you know, like the game is mostly about going places and talking to people, right? In the end, as a private investigator. And like if the narrative or the reason that you're talking to people or the context surrounding it is stupid now well then it makes everything stupid you know so i mean like the developers wrote this letter that they published on steam and it was sort of like oh we're so glad that our game is published and that we are that it's having you know like we we wanted to put our artistic vision out there and that's all fine and dandy uh except that it just i i just think that like the the first part of the game Writes checks that the rest of the game doesn't cash. And uh, I know that I'm playing a fully released game, but I know that there was a free prologue. The first act was released on Steam uh, prior to the game being fully available. It's like you can just go and download the prologue. And I think a lot of people were after act one were stoked to play the game and probably bought it. And, uh, you know, and if you give away, like, as I say, the game falls apart halfway through the third act or whatever, near the end of the third act, I guess. And so and you'll know when. <laughs> and okay. uh, And then it's so it's like if they give the first act away for free, they're essentially giving you half the game that's good and then the rest, you know. And they're they're saying there's going to be more backbone. I'm I still you know I'm still interested in the world. And if there's something backbone related that comes out again, or like sequels, or I probably will check it out. You know, like I probably will be into it. It's just it is it, it's so hard. Like you know those these things when there's a twist or there's a thing. It's it's hard to talk around it a little bit. But sure. uh, but I th- I think that it it just doesn't. It wants to be artsy and it doesn't deliver. Uh, I don't. I don't think it does anyway. Um, unless I'm missing the meaning, and I didn't want it to go art. I wanted to be. A, I wanted to. You know, I wanted to bust the people and like solve the mystery. I didn't want to go down some artsy rabbit hole at the end. You know.
1: Okay. So, well, it's on. It's on Game Pass for uh, PC. It's thirty dollars on Steam, Canadian. But uh, if it's on Game Pass, it's got full controller support. Maybe I'll check it out and. Uh... And, and we can, we can do a, a quick spoiler cast next episode. I'll, I'll see if, if it's only two to three hours, I could probably fit it in, in an evening or two. No, and...
0: it's pro it's probably six hours. That's fine. Yeah. It's I mean... like, it's like, I played two hours a night or so. And I, again, like, yeah, you d- do it uh, with the cat. Cause I know like, like if, if you bounce off it originally, like if you in the first act aren't into it, well then, then you're not going to be into it at all. Because, like, for me, I have to re-explain that it hit my buttons, right? Like, it yeah. was right – the graphical look, the type of game it was, even the animals, like, all of that together came – I was just like, oh, this is my jam, right? And uh, um, if there's anybody who knows – I tried to Google other games with this look. It's the look that – that that cyberpunk game the last night has and it's a game and a game that's it, it, coming out uh sometime who knows and there's a game at e3 that was released this uh displayed this year it was like a pixel art kind of cyberpunky type game i forget what it's called but it also looked amazing uh mm-hmm. in this in this sort of slick high def pixel art type way this game also uses that if people know of other games like that that have that high def pixel art style um
1: uh narito I, boy kind of looks a little bit like it's a little more low def than this but uh that's yeah. another game pass game that you could check out
0: has uh, a similar style um and that one's good maybe i will wow oh, well maybe i will like i mean it's funny it's hard to it's hard to say when a, when a game is like good two-thirds of the way through you know <laughs> It, like great two-thirds of the way through. Like I was really into it two-thirds of the way through, and then 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 drops off so significantly. And it's funny, during the drop off, the last third of the game, you know, hope blooms eternal, right? I'm just like, oh, maybe it's gonna pull it together, you know, but it doesn't pull it together. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm just like, well, in my in my opinion, uh, you know, somebody could be listening to this right now, being like, Oh, he is missing all the gravitas and nuance that came with the finale. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but, uh, but I thought I was playing a raccoon detective game, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, you can't win them all. uh, But I, I, you know what? I'll check it out and uh, we'll report back next week. And honestly, I love going into a game knowing I'm going to be able to finish it in an appropriate amount of time. Like, ratchet and clank was one of those where like if i know if i play this every other night for a couple weeks i'm gonna finish it and backbone seems like a really good one alongside that and you're right like like other game pass games if i jump into it and i'm not feeling it i'm gonna jump out and uninstall. like game pass it has so much for it i've got other games queued up but they're all incredibly long like um yeah Yakuza Like a Dragon, I've been meaning to check that one out because it switches over to turn based co- uh, combat, which I, I'm really looking forward to trying because I'm terrible at the brawler. Uh, Greedfall just got like a. I really I kind of like Spider's RPGs that they make. Um, they remind me of old Bioware, uh, like sort of Dragon Age Origins style slash uh, Dragon Age 2 as well. But uh, their Greedfall game just got a Series X upgrade and it's part of game pass as well but those are games i know i'm not going to finish those are games yeah, I know i'm going right. to try but You're gonna uh, be
0: like, yeah yeah no i i i get that and this is a game that you could potentially finish also it's being ported to like suppose like it, it plays well with the the, the controller and it's going to be ported to switch to xbox Uh, to like, it's, it's all PC, but it's going to everything. And my feeling, Ryan, is that this will be a prescient podcast. And that like, you know, especially when it goes to switch or something like that, I just think that it's gonna, it's gonna have a boost in popularity later this year, uh, just based on the, the idea that more people will play it. And then it will be super fun to read all the think pieces uh, that will come out of the crazy ass ending. Uh, Speaking of follow-ups, Ryan, I just wanted to briefly follow up on our convo with regards to the God of Mischief himself. I'm talking about Loki. Uh, I know that we have not gone full Marvel yet on all these shows, uh, but I have been watching Loki, uh, which I'm assuming you have been watching.
1: Yeah, I'm all caught up. Uh, Ashley and I, uh, actually, we've had a busy couple weeks and uh in terms of our evenings and we managed to watch the the two most recent episodes last night so we are freshly caught up and i gotta i i think like i know where you're going obviously because we talked about a pre-show but i will add on to what loki is right now is surprisingly like a, a marvel show that ashley is like all over i asked her you know last night when we were finishing it up and i'm like this show's this show's really good like it's it's entertaining you don't know where it's going but then you kind of do because it like really sets itself up in a really cool way and she's like yeah i'm loving it so like it's one of those few shows that her and i are clicking on which we we have few very few of those which i'm fine with because we don't have a lot of time to watch tv but
0: yeah Yeah, i i agree with that and that my my wife wasn't big on falcon and the winter soldier and uh and I think she was not super big on WandaVision at the beginning, but then came into it like, you know, when when the MCU-ness of it all starts kicking in, she, her interest is kicking in more. So this is the show that is pretty much like grabbed her from the first episode. You you may recall that when last we spoke of on the Marvel, I kept saying like I had zero interest for Loki. Uh, and that was true. I'm not retconning history uh it's just it's just one of these things where um it's the same with the other shows and what they've done so well here they've made they've made what is something that i was not interested in something i am super interested in and that is a testament to the creators and uh, the work that was done here um the art direction so this this show like and, and for listeners like we are ryan and i uh, if you're listening to this episode We're four episodes into Loki. So um, there's two episodes left is my understanding. Um, And so we'll likely talk about it when it, when it wraps. Uh, But I think one of the reasons we've never done a good MCU show, uh, uh, Dungeons and Diapers episode that is, is because we've never really been so enthused on the material. Um, At least I haven't. And, And I feel that this is the one where I'm the closest to like from, from episode one, um, Everything from the art direction to the conceit, the science fiction of it all. It's sort of inspired from Terry Gilliam's Brazil, the bureaucracy, the um, uh, the Time Variance Authority and everything surrounding it. Uh, really, really interesting. But one one thing I find also interesting when you mention Ashley, Ryan, is that um is it i find that this is really like i'm not sure if this is super mcu heavy or super mcu light meaning like you're how how much you have to have seen of the mcu or appreciated to get out of this because it does strike me that say you took away the loki character and you made it just john smith right like John Smith, it, it, the movie concept is John Smith gets unstuck in time and the time variance authority brings t- John Smith in and he's a variant and helps them like solve these cases. You know, he's not low and John Smith has his problems, like his personality. You give him an interesting personality, how much of it hangs on that concept and how much on the Loki of it all. And I think, I think it's interesting because every time they flash back to Asgard or show stuff about Asgard, I'm I'm always like, holy shit, man, that's right. This this is a character from like like if you remember the first Thor movie, it's essentially a mid middle m- medieval fantasy type movie. It's like it's not, you know, Loki's always walking around in this windbreaker in a in a suit tie and and all of that. And then you think of him as like this contemporary character. When in fact that he's totally not, and that sometimes blows my mind. Like the how many balls they have juggling up in the air? They've got all of this timeline, all the MCU ness of it all. Uh, But then I think to myself, you know what, like Owen Wilson's character, a lot of these side characters, they're introduced for this show. Um, You don't need to know, like all you really need to know is like Loki is a bad dude or like has been doing bad things. And, you know, even the first episode, Owen Wilson's character goes goes to town on him and it sort of explains he, he makes him watch the entire MCU movies in a room by himself <laughs> you know like he, he he tells him like all this stuff about it. he, he kind of catches the audience up pre- pretty well so I feel like somebody like Ashley who may not be super invested in all the nuances of the MCU would maybe appreciate this one because even though it feels super lore heavy it might actually not be I'm not even sure
1: Well, the thing thing is about, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Loki is that you you don't need to know he's Loki for this show to work. Like, the only piece that I think really helps right off the bat is knowing where kind of Loki fits in uh, the Avengers film. And I mean, back in 2012 when Avengers came out, it was such a phenomenon that a lot of people knew of it or had watched it so um and yeah falling off along the way to end game is totally understandable because it's it's a 10-year journey however like that avengers movie is is pretty it's huge like i would even put it close to like avatar huge where everyone saw avatar right and when you look at that and then you look at this sort of like, I had to, I, I had to, you know, when we were watching it, I did remind Ashley, she's like, okay, what's happening here? You know, where Loki picks up the Tesseract and, and warps away uh, in end game, which is technically within Avengers. I just had to quickly say like, Oh yeah. In end game, you probably like you, you blink and you miss it. And it's really not sort of set up as a a weird thing. And I was actually, you know, reading today that when they shot that in 2017, and we're developing Endgame in that moment where where Loki, you know, escapes. According to them, there was not even plans for a Loki show. That was just a, a a reason for them to have to travel further into time and increase the stakes during Endgame. Like it had nothing to do with we need a backdoor pilot. And I mean you can believe what you want to believe. I, I choose, you know, I'm the kind of guy who believes people when they when they say something, and I think that's a much more interesting anecdote, is that like they just had this happy accident where they could kind of pluck Loki out of that timeline and create the story. And really, I think you're right. Like you don't need to know a whole lot about the MCU because really you've got this really great doctor who series here
0: that has Marvel characters Totally, what it is. I actually made that point to Jesse too. At one, we were watching. You know, they're on the alien planet. Not to spoil too much, but they're on an alien planet at one point on a train, and I'm and they do this like landscape shop. And I'm like, man, this is like a straight Doctor Who shit right now. Yeah. You know, and and it totally it, to, it totally is a lot of it, and maybe that is part of the appeal. One thing, Ryan, and to your point there, and also to um sort of like, do you remember last time when I was saying about? what the, what these two shows previously did that, that made them more interesting was they, they found these facets of the characters that were interesting. So, and I was wondering what they were going to do with Loki. What Like, so with Sam Wilson, it was really a question of, you know, dealing with can uh, kind a of black man become captain America, um, you know, uh, uh, racism in the U S and all of, all of these things that are h- heavy topics. Wanda was the nature of grief and her grief in particular and all of this. Um, and, and then, uh, and then for this, I was like, "Well, what's it going to be with a guy like Loki?" But they kind of they go right into the Loki ness of it all in the first episode. And as you say, like, I like, yes, plot wise, plot wise, you could do, you, you know, you it could be independent or it could run without him. But they're doing they're doing quite a number into like what you know, what is this guy, and what does he what does he think of himself? And, and he is like, you could feel him change as a character in front of you and that's great stuff. And that exists separate from even the whole plot or in concert, actually in concert with the plot. Cause I love that stuff in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I hated the plot. Um, and I, I, love that stuff in WandaVision and I was okay with the plot. I, I like more their, their tricks. Whereas in this case, I love the plot, but I also love the character stuff. So it's kind of like a, a, hit hit for me now, again, just going back to the backbone thing. Like we are now four episodes in, there's two episodes left. They could totally blow this. And it, <laughs> like with, with time travel and with the finale of episode four, like there's so much that they could blow. And I am I am interested to see if that they will stick the landing on the show. That's that's my, my big thing because this is you know, it's similar to Backbone in the sense that the first two acts were super great. And it's like if they nailed the third one, then yay, but if not, then oh, it can really leave a sour taste in your mouth.
1: Yeah, there's this struggle with I think Marvel content in general where a lot of the internet is like oh my god, this is definitely leading to, you know, insert Fox acquisition here. And I think people are, people learn their lesson from WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think there was it was lesser of that stuff with, there was less of that stuff with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we did get you know, a direct sort of follow-up to that finale where it was like yeah, we're making another cat movie for obvious reasons. And I think when you look at Loki they're, you know, the, the internet is doing it again. And I think the show, um, is, is heading in a, in a dire- I'm trying to be spoiler free here, is heading in a direction where they could be going to some interesting places, but really these shows have sort of been soft sort of launches for movies and future content. And I mean, Loki and this show is, as you said, the farthest removed from the MCU. If it ends in a way that is, like, back to the status quo. But if you go the other direction and end it, like, you upend the table, well, crap, like, you could, it could go anywhere. So it's, like, really hard to tell at this point what they're going to do. Knowing Marvel, I don't think they're going to take the safe route. I think they are going to upend the table. Uh, We'll obviously know by the next time we record, but from where we're at now, like, the next episode should be a great sort of uh you know uh, experience for marvel fans of of comics and and mcu in general but like how they wrap it up where it goes like i have no idea you know like i think they they've really crafted a six episode arc that is really great and you could imagine how the show would would be worse in like a 22 episode order or a 20 minute sort of Twenty-two episode order, like it, it would, it would struggle with that format, and I think really, like, there's only been so far in these four episodes, there's been one instance where, you know, between, you know, a couple episodes where I'm like, they really split up, you know, this story across two episodes, like they've been really contained in a way where you feel like I am content to wait a week to watch the next episode, you know it's not like, oh my God, you know, every episode in a Netflix series has to end with a cliffhanger. So you, you, you go to the next one. Like, I think this show has been very good and respectful of people's time and energy. And I really appreciate that as well, because honestly, like engaging with Marvel content when you're on the internet can be tough because there's this, there's this like sort of uh conversation drive where it's like, oh my God, this could happen. This could happen. And we don't know about this, but this could happen. It's like, ah, oh, guys just, Let's just enjoy the content, and I think this content, Loki, unlike WandaVision, has been structured in a way to manage expectations a little better while still delivering really solid content. But again, if you are engaging in the overall like internetness of the conversation, then you're probably fine with just watching the show. But I think for me, like between these last three, between the three series, I think Loki has been the most. Uh, entertaining and 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 fantastical and and uh you know out there series while still like kind of keeping the marvel fans grounded which is a hard thing a hard balance to strike with with everything going on maybe everyone's distracted by when is the new spider-man trailer gonna hit but yeah i'm really enjoying loki i can't wait to uh talk more about it
0: yeah, I I, I, um, I have a lot more to say, but we'll save it for another time um, uh, on Loki. Uh, so yeah, just uh, just a note here uh, before we move out of the dungeons into the diapers. I see that you are watching another MCU show, uh, but one that I have not.
1: Yeah, uh, it's MCU adjacent. This is this this is separate? Um, this was uh, sort of put together before the Fox a Disney merger, and uh, this is Modoc. Modoc on Disney... So, in Canada, there is no Hulu. This is a Hulu series. All of it's available in the States on Hulu. But in Canada, we have it on Disney Plus Star, which was the addition to Disney Plus we got at the start of the year. Uh, they are doing weekly episodes of Modoc every Friday. I've watched, like, the first five ep- episodes. And it is a stop-motion sort of cartoon by the Robot Chicken guys. And, um... Yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. <laughs> it's okay. You know, like it's, it's, it's like robot chicken. It's, it's okay and funny in the moment, but it's not like it, it's, it's, it's not gonna make you like, oh, I can't wait for the next episode. It's good, like background TV and it's, it, it's enjoyable and it's, um, I don't know anything about the Modoc character. So it's been interesting to sort of watch it, but it, he's voiced by Patton Oswalt, which is always a great time. So yeah, if you have Disney Plus in Canada, you have avail you have access to Modoc. Um if that stop motion animation, robot chicken stuff is your kind of flavor, definitely check this one out. Um I-, I I don't really have a whole lot more to say. Like following Loki, it's like it's night and day in terms of quality, but like it's it's a fun sort of
0: folding laundry show?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, folding laundry. Um y- y- yeah folding laundry I'm, full,
0: I'm just for the record i'm folding laundry to Shit's creek right now which uh like i finally started started watching i won't go go into it too too, too much uh because we've talked about it on the past and i just needed to overcome my my cbc-ness of it all and uh <laughs> and uh yeah i'm glad I, i'm glad i did like it's it's you know, it's good. It's good. Uh, not great uh, yet, but uh, but quite good and uh, enjoyable enough for laundry folding and definitely the best thing in terms of a sitcom I've seen at a CBC for a long time. But enough about that. Let us go into the, um, the diapers section of the show, uh, the ceremonial changing of the diapers. And Clara's is really holding on to her nighttime diaper. like it's the one diaper she wears soon as she ditches that diaper and and then I will be the only person that will be changing diapers officially will be you. but um, you're
1: gonna say the only person officially wearing diapers in the household will be you.
0: Yeah, no, no uh, definitely uh, I will be the next person to <laughs> be wearing diapers lately. Hey man uh, like,
1: someone's uh, gonna play through every Halo game before Halo Infinite comes out might as well be you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, also, you know, these podcasts get longer and longer, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be getting up in the middle of them. It, it makes your editing job harder. Just pretend your um, Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> and you yeah, just, just, I'm like, ah, uh, I have a wireless headset for a reason. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the diapers, the diapers of it all. Um, so, Backbone, I mentioned as a video game I'm playing as an adult, uh, with my daughter, I've been playing the Game Pass game that I've been getting the most out of is Dragon Quest XI. Um, you guys may remember that I mentioned this on the show. On Switch, we downloaded the demo, and we played it, and it was long. Uh, the demo was long, and then we moved on to Breath of the Wild and all this. But Gwen actively asked to play Dragon Quest again, and we started up, started it up, and we started. we have it on Game Pass, I was like, you know what? Let's just start from the beginning. It's been long enough. I mean, we we can get back into it. And sure enough, the beginning went by pretty quick. It wasn't like, I, I think of that demo as being long, and it was, but in the in the grand scheme of a giant JRPG, it wasn't that bad. Uh, and so now we're super far in, or yeah, we're pretty pretty damn far in Dragon Quest Eleven, And uh, it is a really, really a great game. And it is a great game to play with your kid. Minus one caveat, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, But I just wanted to to, to shower some praise on the game first. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you... Did you play Dragon Quest XI? I played
1: a little bit of it. I ended up picking it up on PS4 right around... Shortly after it launched, I, I got a deal on it as a Boxing Day sale. So I played... I played a bit, but not enough to, to really get into it. I've, I've always wanted to go back mainly due to the fact that I bought it and never gave it a fair shake, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I've never JRPGs in me. have never really gotten along and I think it's part like really? time investment. And the other part is like just a lot of like, it It takes a very special JRPG for, for me to enjoy it. Like I liked final fantasy seven remake. I love all the fire emblem games um, i'm actually playing a, a new sort of fire emblem s game dark uh, yeah, deity that's so, right
0: like, you yeah. do tons of jr you do a whole podcast on fire emblem
1: i know i know i'm I, I have it's it it takes it's very hard for me to like get into it but when i do i'm i'm all in you know so i feel like if i gave dragon 8, dragon quest 11 another shot Uh, And I ignored how much time it would take to get into it. I I would probably enjoy it. I mean, I have it on game pass. I could play it. I'm you're playing it on series X then.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, And what's great about that is that is the loading. It's just so great. Like you change areas. There's this zoom spell that allows you to go back to anywhere you ever went before. And you know, the loading is fast because it's one of those games that when it's loading, it has like a screen that pops up that sort of gives you a tip, you know, one of those like, uh, and it loads so fast that you, you have no chance to read what it says, but you know that, that that's that is loading way faster than they expected it to load so that makes it the quality of life is is huge on that dragon quest 11 just for those who may not know is is a game in a series in which you don't need to have played any of the others like the the number 11 is scary it might as well just be called dragon quest whatever It's, it's like final fantasy the the, each story is self-contained you need to know nothing the difference between a dragon quest and a final fantasy is final fantasy constantly tries to evolve with the times get newer try new things yada 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 dragons dragon quest essentially said we're just going to pretty up the version that essentially we perfected on the original nintendo you know so like you get into turn-based battles you tell your guys to attack you choose the spells from a list, you choose which guy you're gonna cast it on. You do you have party members, there's banter, um all, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of quality of life improvements over old JRPGs, like the encounters are random, you see the enemies on the map, you can choose when to engage them. That is all that is all there. But the story. Um, while it's you know all very much voice acted and really really neat, uh, but is very basic. But basic in a way that is really approachable to kids. You know, um, hero chosen by time has an emblem that proves that they're the hero. Uh, they were born in some village like Lord of the Ringsy, and then they have to they they go out in the world and meet a mismatched party of characters and have to start the evil and all of that, right? so that that's the crux of it and uh but it unfolds in a way where like often it's almost like i don't want to say a tv show but similar in that you'll like you'll go to a town and there will be a giant problem and you've got to resolve it and you know maybe it's a, a mural that's capturing people who look at it and they become part of the painting a la ghostbusters too, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's like a, a city that's completely frozen and you have by an evil winter, witch Elsa gone bad. And you have to like, kind of, kind of figure out how to do de- to, to defeat her and stuff like that. So all of it, like Gwen is just loving, like all, you know, there's mermaids and there's ice witches and there's, um, and there's like adventure around every corner and the characters are crazy. And, and, um, And, and there's no huge sense of urgency pushing you along. It's not like the, it's not like a lot of these games where the big evil is just looming. It's kind of like, even the big bad guy hasn't really been properly introduced. He's kind of lurking in the shadows. Um, And so that's, that's nice too. So you feel like you're not under pressure, which is great. And and the final thing that I really like about it, and this is a throwback, and Ryan, I don't know, like you didn't play many JRPGs, but I played a bunch when I was, you know, younger. And the ones that I liked often the most are the ones that essentially felt like you were traveling. Like when you were going around the world map, you were walking to places, you go to like in Final Fantasy VII OG original version, you go to Wutai, like it's Yuffie's, town and it's all like pagodas everywhere and it feels different and it has its own musical score and it's all like you're like oh i'm going i'm going somewhere new you know and like skies of arcadia on the Dreamcast, which is one of my all-time favorite crpgs like all these floating islands and you would land on a floating island with your airship and it would be inspired by i don't know uh the greek greek ruins and everybody would be in a certain you know it was always very um like you had to you had to take everything with a grain of salt but it was just so cool like it felt like you were traveling and this game nails that feeling it does that by ripping off every city from a real place like there's a venice ripoff called gondolia because they're in gondolas i guess there's like a a, a santorini like greek ripoff that's essentially porto uh, valor is called they've got like uh they've got like a a rip off of the the, whatever the frozen city is from the movie frozen Arendelle or whatever they've got, they've got, you know, they see you're going to all these towns and you're like, Oh, I know what this is inspired from, but Gwen doesn't mostly like she's seeing these things is different. So it's really cool. It feels like as you're trapped at home and you can't travel, it really feels like you're going on an adventure and, and doing that with Gwen has been super, super fun. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Ryan, did you have anything you wanted to ask me about Dragon Quest before I get into one thing that really um, I don't like?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I guess with this game, I wonder how... Like, we talk a lot about, you know, respecting a player's time. Um, that's always my question when it comes to JRPGs is that, you know, uh, even looking at Fire Emblem, it's a series that has evolved over time that has started to respect the player's time a little bit more. Like, you're able to save whenever you want, able to to bookmark um your 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 battle so you can come back to it obviously now every system that is currently available has like a some sort of rest mode so i know the xbox has this as well but like how like can you jump in and play for an hour or two and 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 feel like you've accomplished something and jump out or do you have to set aside like i need like three hours or we're just gonna you know tread water
0: i cannot tell you how much how well made this game is respect to respect your time it is so impressive so first off uh like there is the quick resume feature obviously that, that uh, but almost the quick resume feature I don't like as much as um I like the way that we used to play and sometimes I'll I'll, I'll exit right to the main menu um, because when you rejoin your game when you load your game there will be a character that will give you like a two-character paragraph summation of where you're at and what's going on. It's great. It, like they must have written tons of these to account for every point in the game where you would have ta- been taken a break. You know, like oh, the party then went to this and that. And they met the princess who said, "Oh, I have this problem." So you can go away and you can come back. And you read this thing. You're like, "Oh, I totally remember what's going on." It is fantastic. So I love that. Second thing is that because you can see the enemies on the map you can just avoid them all so you can run right to the boss in the dungeon if you're good at just like skirting around enemies and stuff and your guy can run really fast there's a the trigger will make him move really fast and you get a whistle to call your horse and you can just ride your horse and if the enemies are low level and you run into them with your horse they'll just get instantly beaten they'll fly out of the way in a comical fashion that my daughter finds hilarious so like it and then as i said there's these micro adventures that happen within the game so i just find it like for a game it it really it's not like it really doesn't feel like a waste it really feels like it respects your time a lot and gives you the framework to play it as you want so and it is a really great game to play with the kid cuz of that it's like it's like a giant anime series or whatever like you know you're you get the next episode and now they're in a the new town and this is what's going on here and you get like you know the last previously on Dragon Quest pretty much and they explain it and then you start playing and it's like and you're tired and you're like, I don't feel like fighting all these mobs. I'm just going to run through and fight the boss, you know? And like, you can do that, you know? So it's, it is, Uh, um, and there's late scripts. If you want to give your guys, you can tell your guys like fight wisely, concentrate on healing or whatever. You can make your party automate. And uh, for, if you wanted to, I never do, I make it. So I command each of them. So yeah, amazing quality of quality of life stuff really respects your time, especially for a game of this length. And I'm like hours into it. And at no point am I like, man, this game is getting long. In fact, I'm checking to be like, oh, I hope it goes on quite a bit longer. I'm going to be sad when this thing ends, right? Um, So so I am very impressed in that way. Again, I'm not sure if I was an adult without a kid and I was playing this game, how – it's not tailored for adults in the way like a Persona Five or something like that is, right? Uh, it's 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 made it's clearly made with children in mind. Uh, majoritarily Uh, and it's so easy at the beginning like you have no party members and like you're just like attack and you have one spell it's like for somebody who's grown up playing video games it's almost a joke of how easy it is so it takes a really kind of a while to get into it um i i think but when you're playing with a child the child is into the story right off you know and there's lots of twists and turns like as an adult mostly you'll be able to see them coming but children Do not see them coming, you know, like when a guy betrays you, a guy who looks sneaky the whole time, and I'm like, that guy's for sure gonna betray (laughs) us, you know, like Jesse's uh, Jesse Gwen is like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it, you know, we trusted him. I'm like, yeah, he was gonna betray us, Gwen. (laughs) I'm like, uh," but uh, yeah, so it's really good. So this brings me to my one, my one caveat here, and it's a big one, um, and is, is that for some reason. Uh, and this is the Japaneseness, maybe, of it all. There is some, there is inappropriate content in this in this game for kids. Uh, it like sexual uh, content, and I don't mean that in the overt way. Like it's not like people are having sex left and right, but it's just that the, and it, it's just that, especially in the later part of the game, it doesn't come out early, but it's like later in the game. You start getting female party members and 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 a, you know a couple of them uh you know are are kind of sexy-ish, one in particular, but like you can get outfits for them and there's like bunny costumes uh to make them look like you know and obviously the men don't don't necessarily have that um and then there's there's like there's this running joke I think that's been going through the the um the Dragon Quest series about Puff Puff uh, where like somebody's like, Oh, I'll give you Puff Puff or whatever, which I think is supposed to be a blow job, which is really like, but, but coded and all this stuff. I don't read it to Gwen when the character, I just say no. And I move, move about my day and she can't read. So it makes it, it makes it easier to like kind of avoid that content, but also like, you know, to, tonight we had like the first time something in the main quest in this very late, like was kind of like inappropriate where essentially one of the, you have an older man on your party. Like he drops a magazine out of his pack sack and it's got like bunny girls on the cover and he's super embarrassed and they're all making jokes. And he's like, I read it for the articles. And, uh, I'm laughing because it's obviously funny. Um, uh, But at the same point, my daughter starts asking all these questions. What's that magazine? Why is he embarrassed? You know, like, what's the thing? And I'm like, like, essentially, it's supposed to be a porn mag, I guess it fell out of his, you know, out of his his thing. And it's just like, it's so... Um, out of sync with the rest of the tone of the game, and my daughter's young enough that I can skirt around it. Like I can be like, "Oh yeah, let's let's move on and look at something else, and like look the other way and let's move on to the next thing." But when it pops up, I just uh, when that sort of content pops up, I'm like, "Why does that have to be in this game? Like it's so clearly made for children most of the time. Why do you have to have like some guy on the beach who gives you a side quest of dressing all your girls up as bunnies? You know, like." like that seems like out of place in this game you know so anyway that's my one frustration but i found my way around avoiding it and i would say if you're a dad playing with your kids and your kids are like not reading cuz there's there's voice acted se- sections and then there's a lot of it you have to read then then um then the the only the only bad parts are these these this uh, sexual content and the music. The music's not bad, but there's like three tracks and they play them all the time. <laughs> it drives me fucking nuts. And you go to all these towns, they could have their own like theme for these towns, but no, nope, same town theme. Doesn't matter what the town is. Could be Asian inspired, Italian inspired, doesn't matter. It's going to be the same town music. And like at one point, you're just like, oh, shut up with the town music, you know. Anyway. That's it. Dragon quest 11. That's my, uh, that's my, uh, that's my write up. And the last thing I'll say on my, on my diapers is I finally got a date night and it's not a date night because it was during the daytime. It's more like a date afternoon. We, we brought in a babysitter. It was our daycare provider's daughter. She took care of our kids, uh, of Gwen as, as, as Clara was at daycare this week and my, my wife and I went out to a pub on the patio three hours was so sweet uh we had we were able to chat like adults uh and uh yeah it felt good so it was it was nice that things are starting to kind of slowly get back to some sense of normal
1: yeah oh man that sounds great (laughs) we have not had uh well obviously we have a small one so we can't really uh uh, go anywhere without without isabel because she's still although we could yeah she's they're called babysitters ryan they're yeah. not called
0: children sitters
1: no that's true that is very true you know we don't we've never really so we don't have we don't do daycare we don't really have babysitters i'm although i'm sure one of ashley's uh, sisters would happily uh watch the kids or ashley's parents for that matter now that they've uh They've, uh, they don't have, uh, their grandmother or the, their mother living there. Anyways, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it, it, we need to find the time to sort that out. But like for us, we, we've been kind of like sort of stuck in this, uh, not us as, as Ashley and I, but the family have been stuck in this, like, what is, what is our COVID sort of process? Like, what are we doing? Like Caden's got class. I've got work, you know, uh, Isabel's got, uh, her sort of schedule, um, Abigail's <laughs> kind of all over the place. Uh, but now that we're in the summer, um, we are starting to sit down and figure out like, okay, what do we want to do? Cause yeah, I said to you, like, I don't know if I have a lot to say in the diapers segment. Um, because like, we're kind of, we're still stuck in that like sort of, um, routine, you know, and it's, and it's a crappy routine because it's all based in and around the house so now that caden is done school uh and we're in summer mode i you know ashley and i have to find some time to, to sit there's been some family stuff going on so we haven't had a lot of evenings together but uh now that we do have some time we need to sit down and figure out like okay what do we want to do with the kids and like we want to go to the dinosaur drive through there's like a sort of an outdoor dinosaur museum just up the road and they have a little drive through so we want to do that Certainly talk about that on the show. I think we have we did a Halloween one, and you know there's some other stuff they want to do there. I think Caden's going camping at some point over the summer, and Abigail wants to sleep over, but sleep over at uh, her grandparents. So there'll be a lot of fun. Like you know Ashley and I, we have our vaccines booked for next week, so we should be fully vaccinated by the end of July, which is nice. We can finally start to like feel as though we're getting back to normal. Um. But I I kind of felt bad for Caden. I said he he had finished school and he's heading into the summer. And this is the first thing. This is a first for him. Because, like, this is first year, junior kindergarten. And, I mean, he's getting that taste for a schedule. And then, you know, but I think being in virtual learning, I don't think he's experiencing the same sort of feeling I remember whenever school would go on break, right? Because you're physically leaving the house, taking a bus, going to school, coming home. He doesn't have that. So like he just, he does it at home. He does a little homework. It's junior kindergarten. So his last day of class, he's downstairs. And I hear that in, for the last like three weeks, they've been doing nothing but watching movies and just playing games and having fun. So his last day, he has like one session and, you know, I hear him down there working and then he comes up and I'm like, are you done? And he's like, yep, school's over, bye. And I'm like, oh, okay. That was a little unceremonious, just kind of, wrapped up junior kindergarten he's done i mean i think he'll feel it more next year when he goes to school we are putting both caden and abigail into school and that'll be a whole new thing for us because as i said we never we did we don't we've never had daycare we never had the kids away you know uh during the week so september is going to be interesting but i don't want to think too far ahead i I, am looking forward to finding fun things for us to do as a family during the summer and i think we're just getting around to it because we don't the only schedule we have to sort of hold to is isabel's naps like as long as i know in advance what we want to do i can take the time off you know we can go do some fun stuff so we're looking forward to that hopefully in the next couple weeks i'll have something we can talk about and certainly if anyone has any ideas and certainly crofton you we can talk about them maybe next week if you've got some ideas but um to end, not to end on a sour note, but to end on an interesting sort of conversation piece, we had a, a listener submission from Whirlwind, and he had, a, he had sort of a question that he was, uh, he was looking for some feedback from us, two fellow dads who have kids and are, are stuck at home, not stuck, at home with the kids. Uh, do you guys have any tips for when you feel overwhelmed by tornadoes around the house and your significant other is not there to help you out? starting to hit the limit sometimes where i'm about to snap and yell at my kids what's your tricks to calm calm you down on the spot uh so on the spot try to calm yourself down when all you see is chaos around you um so i think first of all like you know we're all human and sometimes you sometimes you you uh (laughs) you will yell you won't be able to control your volume i've certainly been guilty of that uh, and and af- if Ashley were here, she would she would be like, "Yeah, you're you're guilty, of course." Um, you know, and having three kids and having them all have very different personalities, and sometimes they all clash all at once, and that can be a lot, especially when it's been a long year and a half. So, uh, for me, I have I have two ways that I kind of deal with this. One makes things worse, <laughs> is that. I'll start, like, singing. I
0: go into a closet, I, I open a bottle of booze, <laughs> and I just drink while crying at the same time. And it's yeah, like, and that doesn't I, work. I, pu- I put on Sarah McLaughlin and I'm just, like, crying and drinking. Yeah, okay. Okay, but that just that's not a bad idea.
1: I'll try that next <laughs> time. Um,
0: Ryan's like, that's better one than what I do now. I, I Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, like, uh, one one thing I'll do, and I think I just do it to try to calm myself down, Is like, especially if the kids aren't listening, that can be really frustrating for me, especially Abby. She's really good at it. I know she can hear me. I know she understands what I'm asking her to do, but she will like straight up ignore me. And if it weren't so infuriating, it actually be really impressive because like she's doing like the teenager type thing that you see in TV and movies, but she's doing it at three years old. And like I said, if it weren't so infuriating, it'd be it'd be it'd be frustrating. So what I'll sometimes do is like when I ask them to do something and they're not listening, I'll start singing it and and uh, and just keep repeating it and and try to get them to engage that way. And uh, now I'm at the point where Abigail literally hates my singing. She just she'll flat out say out of the blue when no one's even talking about it. You know, I don't like Daddy singing. He's really annoying. <laughs> And I kudos. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I've, I've, I've certainly had that critique of my, of my singing in the past. Um, but, but on a serious note, I would say drinking in a closet is, is um, probably your best. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. On a serious note, I would say like, I think the first thing, so when we, before we had kids, we took these classes, um, which I highly recommend for, for first time parents. Is to take these parenting classes. You'll have to do it over Zoom now, but we were able to do it in 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 person uh, when we before we had Caden. And uh, one of the things they say to you is like there are going to be moments when you know you're frustrated, you know, because you're trying to do something and it's not working. Like it, it, you you have to safely find a way to just step away from the conversation and or, or not conversation the situation and just take a breather. Like I, I think that in, in certain moments like that, like as long as the kids aren't going to hurt themselves or they're in a dangerous situation, there is likely an opportunity for like, maybe don't go full Crofton and go into the closet and start drinking and playing music really loudly, but like stepping into the next room, looking out the window and, and, and taking a deep breath. I think that's, that's a good first step right? And I've certainly tried to employ that method from time to time. And again, it's, it has to be in a moment where the kids are safe, and they're not going to hurt each other. Because in that moment, you have to step in, you're not going to be able to try to calm yourself down and then go in, I, I think, obviously, use your best judgment. But that's worked for me really well is to, you know, make sure everyone's safe, make sure, you know, all the gates are closed, so that, you know, Isabel is, is loving to ride. like she'll, she'll like pull herself up on the gate and sort of put her feet in between it and ride it, which will oftentimes cause it to open. So obviously I can't leave her downstairs by herself cause she will go straight for the gate and, and, and do that. And she gets a, she knows she gets a reaction. So of course she does it. But, um, like, again, like if you can do it safely, like just step away, look outside, take a deep breath. Like, I think that can help. Um, and Yeah. I mean, Crofton, do you have any other suggestions as someone who's, who's probably been, you know, uh, had his fair share of tornadoes to, to tame?
0: You know what? I was looking up the lyrics of a Sarah McLachlan song. (laughs) You were going to sing it, I was going to try to sing it, but then I was, you were talking about, (laughs) about how your own children were shitting on your singing. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I think I'll just save the listeners this bit. I'm like, but, but, uh, but yeah, I would like, what you say makes a lot of sense, and I, this is going to sound extremely, you know, conceited slash fortunate. But my kids are awesome, and it's not <laughs> often a problem that I have to deal with. And and, I, and, and I'm sure that that's going to change because Gwen is already like, you know, she now doesn't listen sometimes. She no, I know that she can hear me or whatever. Um, but uh, six year old and three year old girl, um, and they they're just super nice and generally good at um, um, uh, managing their emotions for the most part communicating them and managing them which saves us meltdowns a Mm -hmm. lot especially simultaneous meltdowns or fighting and i have been hanging out now recently with some other friends and family members and other children and I and it's allowed me to feel a little bit more fortunate to be like oh man you know I have two kids but if I had one kid and it was that kid that kid would be difficult for me to manage you know like I would have to rethink my parenting style I would have to adapt because the kid this you know kid a or kid b are are gonna push my buttons or push buttons in general or melt down much more than than I am used to so take that the reason I say that is because it contextualizes any advice I give. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton, uh, other than to say that people need to be nice to themselves. And like, I know, I'm not saying the dads don't, aren't guilty of, of this too, but I know moms in particular will be, will get, will lose their shit with their kids and then feel so guilty about having lost their shit with their kids and be like, ah, oh, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that or blah, blah. And, and and yeah, okay, fine. Probably it's not a good idea to lose our shit with our kids in general, but, but the reality is that we're humans, and and you know, uh, there's there's some level of healthiness in your kids seeing that you're frustrated. You can't be a perfect person at all times, and you can't be you know, hide behind a veil of like, I'm a parent and I'm always responsible. Like sometimes it's, it's like, I'm sorry, you know, son or daughter, you're making me lose my shit right now. And I'm yelling at you or I'm speaking in an elevated voice. My biggest, my biggest sin as my wife would point out is that I'm passive aggressive and that, I, and that I will, I will push kids buttons. Um, and, uh, and it's totally true. I, I you know, like, I, I will do that just to raise shit sometimes and uh, like I, I don't even mean to but like I'll give you an example we were at my my mom's uh, over the weekend and I was out on the surfboard uh, with my daughter and uh, my older daughter and my younger daughter really wanted to get on the surfboard but she was on the land and she was too young to get on the surfboard but she's like no wait for me and I- instead of saying <laughs> Instead of saying, you know, uh, instead of saying, I'm sorry, Clara, you're too young or like, you know, explaining it. Jesse was doing that on on the source saying, no, I'm sorry, Clara. They're out too deep. You're too young, you know, or whatever. I just said, bye, Clara, (laughs) you know, and and I waved at her. Yeah. And Jess, you pointed out later how she wanted to swim out there and just beat the living hell out (laughs) of me. Uh, And I totally appreciate that because Clara lost her mind. Um, and, (laughs) uh, and, and, And so I think I think part of it is like examine, you know, you examine. You, you examine what role you may have played in the tornado. Like, did you, did you create it? Have you been pushing it? Have you been pushing people's buttons? But if you haven't really, or if you have based on the fact that you're tired and have just taken enough then I mean, like you've got to be nice to yourself in the, in those sorts, in those settings. Um, r- Realistically, tor- there's something that's causing those tornadoes and, and getting to the root of like, is it hunger? Is it fatigue? Is it, is it, the kids have had too much of each other is it you know like like but by, by being able to audit it and be being able to, to to address it then you can next time get ahead of it you know that's something that you could potentially do be like okay you know i know if i leave them this long with this toy they're going to tear into each other because they're going to get jealous or they both need to have this toy or we need to divide it separately there's generally lessons to be learned that are hard to see when you're in the heart of the tornado but afterwards, you can look back and be like, okay, next time I can do this or that. And one thing Jesse has said to me, and I, I do think that this is a true thing, uh, uh, is like if she's having – if she's losing it, I then can't lose it. You know, like that's – that's if you're the parent – if one parent is starting a spiral – and is 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 falling apart then the other parents got to stand strong and be kind of the adults in the room and it doesn't matter who it is at that time you know like if if because sometimes as part of my shit disturbing like you know like my my wife will be like giving my daughter a hard time and then i will (laughs) i will add a yeah gwen in the in the (laughs) in the background which is just like that's going to cause gwen to blow uh and really what i need to do is like let's all take a breath guys let's you know let's take a breath and go back like i need to address all i need to be the adult in the room when i'm not when when my wife is compromised and vice versa right so it's it's chat it's challenging uh and everybody's situation is different and everybody's kids are different so you kind of got to figure out what what works best for your kids kids but to ryan's point like taking that moment going in the closet drinking the drink you know all of that is is possibly valuable as well if you come out more recharged right so yeah, uh,
1: yeah um I, I that th- was what ryan said that is I not what, that. what ryan said you were the one looking up sarah mclaughlin yeah. lyrics
0: that's right i uh, was just trying to help you right of course <laughs>
1: um i i think that's all really good points and and yeah i'm definitely guilty of um pushing buttons i mean i did say i i i sing to annoy my kids so that they they eventually listen through sheer attrition but um you know you're also your point of like when both you're there having ashley and i do this all the time like it's i will admit it's very rare that i'm the calm one and ashley's the one that's upset uh but we do will often take turns. I mean, we, I told my story of the, uh, the whole bathroom incident with, with, uh, Abigail and Ashley and I were kind of going back and forth, uh, in terms of like angry, you know, calming. It was a real, you know, uh, good cop, crazy cop type thing. Um, but we were just so flabbergasted by what happened. And I, I think like in a situation where you're on your own and you're taking care of, uh, your two kids, you know, making sure that you, you have a, if you have a, I know uh, whirlwind's doing renovations, so he might not actually have like a safe way to just, you know, step away for a little bit. I, I I think like that has always served me well. When I, when, when I remind myself to do it is to just, you know, make sure the kids aren't tearing each other apart, which again, with Caden and Abigail, that, that is, uh, that is sometimes happening. Um, But uh, you know, just finding a way to, to, to to take that breather because as Crofton said and as I said like you're human you're gonna make mistakes I've certainly done it I've certainly like you know yelled at the kids and then immediately regretted it and th- thought about it you know all night and then in the morning the kids are like hey morning daddy and it's no problem but like having a conversation with your kids about you know why you're frustrated and and all that is, is also good too and depending on their age if they're able to understand that we've been having a lot of those conversations with Abigail. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but, uh, we're still working on, on that one, but, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of peeing accidents, which is always fun, but, um,
0: Great. We'll save that for next time. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely.
0: Let's, uh, let's hit the mailbag before we go here. And we do have an email. It's from Derek. Uh, thank you, Derek. And thank you whirlwind, both for your, uh, for submitting uh, some, some some emails and feedback and all of that. We love that stuff. It's the juice that keeps us going. We always appreciate it. So Derek says, hey, guys, time for my semi-regular feedback. Loki, as of right now, I've watched episodes one and two. It has totally got me hooked. Can't freaking wait for more, which it aligns very much with what we were saying earlier. Mitchell's versus the Machines, which we talked about on a previous episode. I agree. One of the best movies I've seen in a while. Very funny. Great message. The Furby part was made for millennials like me and my spouse. If you watch the trailer, this is Crofton editorializing. If you watch the trailer for Mitchell's versus the machines, there is a part you're going to see with Furbies that will make you think that the movie might be scarier than it is. Uh, but uh, really, this is just like one scene. And I think it's contextualized well enough that it's not too, it, it's not too scary. And for adults of a certain vintage, it definitely is funny. Um, Back to Derek's email. He says, we do a movie night every Saturday where the four of us take turns each week for what to watch. This way we can introduce movies that we like to our kids. And the kids give us an idea of what they like. I've made them watch the entire Godfather trilogy. Oh, Derek, that's no good. Um, Actually, Crofton added that line. Let's go back. And the kids give us an idea of what they like. They're 12 and 9, so it's been a bit hit or miss. Suggestion for all families, good fellas. Oh, that's inappropriate, Derek. No, I'm just kidding. Again, his suggestion for all families was my neighbor Totoro, which I admit I have not seen. Um, A lot of it. it. Oh, oh, really? Uh, It's one of the uh, the uh, what's the Spirited Away guy's name? Uh, uh, I'm not even. I'm going to butcher it, but oh, uh, Miyazaki. Yes, Miyazaki is part of his uh sweet of and i will be honest i have only of all his films seen spirited away and i didn't love it <laughs> so so uh but but that said uh you know like if if derek here has watched all these movies and and uh, got a good sense with his kid that this is a movie that may work for us i think that i will check it out i'm curious Derek doesn't list where to watch it. If it's a Netflix, a Disney plus, uh, it was on Prime. Netflix. I
1: think Netflix has really, the hey? exclusive rights to, okay. cause I remember, um, I was talking about animated films. I think it was, I don't know if Jim listens to the show, but he's a gamers in fan, but Jimmy, the shovel was recommending some, um, some anime, uh, movies because I was, I, I don't care. He likes anime, huh? <laughs> yes, he does. He does very much. so. Um, so yeah, no, this, I think this one came up. So maybe I was, I was lying. I had heard of this before and it's on my, uh, to watch list. Cause I can't remember why anime had come up, but
0: it was on the um, list. So finishing up Derek's email, my son, who's 12 years old, has beat Hades enough time to get to the credits. So that's one of us, uh, who has done it. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Uh, I, good job. And he plays the game all the time. He has made a bit of a friendly competition with my spouse to see who can get more progress. Thanks for the great podcast, as always, Derek. And that is awesome, Derek. And I uh, recommended Hades to a friend of mine recently who's just getting back into video games. And uh, uh, I think that it's going to be a good fit for his life because he can do those runs. And, uh, you know, uh, as a parent, it must be fun to get a sense, like, of how much time your kids play in the game. You'd be like, okay, I know how long a run is. How many runs have you done? Uh, it's, uh, I yeah, I look forward to when my kids are old enough to to play those games and for us to have the conversations about those, uh, 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 those games. Um, definitely, definitely interesting. So thank you so much for the email, Derek. And I would encourage everybody to send us awesome emails like Derek and you can do that by um, emailing the show dad at tgistudios.com, studios.com D a D at TGI studios.com. You can visit us on our website at TGI slash D a D where you can find all our previous episodes along with the brilliant write-ups for each one. Um, we're individuals of individual natures. You can follow us individually myself at Crofton steers, Ryan at our Murphy and the show itself has a Twitter account at dndcast where you'll find out where all the latest episodes uh, will launch one last little cheap plug for me um, the other show that I I do is called the uh, Good, bad, or bullshit, and we haven't released an episode for quite some time. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we've been talking about getting back to it. So I expect us uh, to uh, to do that shortly. I know we like to live stream it when we do it, which will probably be the way that you catch it, because then Bo, it takes him like eight months to publish it. So probably I shouldn't be even mentioning it right now. i probably have egg on my face, but whatever. Uh I'm willing it into existence. Yeah. You tweeted, Um, you tweeted as well earlier today. So it's gotta, I know I said that it will happen in the future. So yeah, it's got, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. So that is going to do it. Do you have any final thoughts, Ryan, before I close the show? Uh,
1: Well, this time next episode, we'll know who the Stanley cup finals winner is. And if you're a Canadians fan, who
0: boy, you're probably not liking it. uh, and yeah, we're we're actually recording while the game is going on right now, and I have been checking the score, it's and great. it is not not great. So, yeah, w- both both Loki and the Stanley Cup Final will surely have uh, advanced by the next time we record. So that's gonna do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> i will remember you will you remember me (laughs) i don't have a pop but i'm sorry how do you like that caden
1: oh it's caden caden doesn't mind the singing abigail hates it i mean abigail yes i forgot to pick my snacks up